0: You can put on Jesus the Giver. Um, That's our series. I'm really going to be focusing today on Jesus the Savior, and I'm going to go a little bit, not past the cross, but through the cross onto some of the strategies um, that the Lord has in saving us. How many would like to hear that? Four of you, so good. (laughs) Um, The rest of you, let's close in prayer, and you guys can uh, go catch the latest Harry Potter film or whatever is out there. Uh, Father, I thank you for your power, Um, Lord, demonstrated um, in changed lives. Lord, Craig and Stormy, they're an example of a changed life. Lord, you, and Phil and Michelle too, you took broken things and you made them whole and you're continuing to heal and restore uh, for our well-being. Uh, We submit our hearts to you. We cannot save ourselves. That's a hard reality. Um, but one we're always tempted to try anyway. I pray that you would make um, your scriptures and your word come to life with power this morning. Lord, people need to hear from you uh, more than they need to hear from me. And I pray that your words that you speak through me would be life to people. And uh, whatever scriptures people have heard before, I pray that you'd breathe into them rhema, revelation, uh, love, life and let it extrapolate itself into practical pragmatic purpose that's lived out let it move into our relationships our family lord and our purpose why we're here fill us lord with your power in jesus name do i hear amen? Amen. amen amen well like christianity Uh, well, I should say like Christmas. Christianity is like a gift exchange. You know, we give the Lord our sin and our death, and the Lord in exchange gives us life. How many think that's a pretty good trade? That's how it works. And Jesus isn't just the giver, he is the gift itself. And uh, there'll be some deep things and profound things that will bless you today, I promise you. Uh, from the scriptures, and I ask you to just to be open to how the Lord would speak to you. Uh, Jesus, the Savior, is the focus today. I was, during first service, I, I was sitting back there, and I was kind of feeling a little stressed about life. Have you ever get like that? You just feel stressed about life? All the things are kind of just piling up, and I was just thinking, oh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? There was a lot of things I, I, I was feeling short on. And I was really asking myself this. I was asking, how can I save myself? How can I rescue myself? Do you ever look at the state of where you are and think you could get better? How many can be better than you are right now? Right? And, and, it, and I think our natural tendency is to look to ourselves. What can I do to try to get better? Which... Little tips and tricks and things and discipline, self-discipline, self-controls. You know, what, you know, resilience and self-effort can I give to this incurable disease that I have called sin? And how am I going to solve it so that I can be more resolute and overcome this? And I start to think, how can I save myself? And then they played that song, he loves us, oh, how he loves us, right? Right? And then I start to remember, that's right. I remember how great God is. I remember how awesome He is. I remember that He's the one trying to save me. And then I realize He's not trying to save me. He's going to save me. Amen? Amen. And, and then my, my focus shifts over from myself over to the Lord. And I believe that the world and its pattern. Our, our sinful nature and our very soul of who, who we are and the world and even the church tends to point itself and point people back toward themselves when God is constantly moving over to us toward the Lord and, and God says that he will cease striving and just know that I am God know that I am the Lord Uh, I got this one line here from John MacArthur. He said, The real beauty in Christmas is understanding the pain and sorrow that it cures, namely sin. You know, the thing about the Savior is He's saving us from something. He's saving us from the sin. In penalty, He's saving it, and He's also saving it in transforming our lives. I don't want to be forgiven and then left in my crud. Do you? I want to be delivered from it. So today, I'm going to focus in on the four royal names given to Jesus and saving power. Jody prayed them today. You know, the wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace. It's something that I have in my prayer all the time. I don't think I go any week by without praying that prayer just naturally because it reminds me of who, who God is. That's found in Isaiah 9-6. But let's focus in on the mission of God. And this is where I finished off last week. And I want to kind of build on it a little bit. And I want to really focus today on how God will save us. Amen? So let's get right to it. She, this is Mary, and he's talking to Joseph here, will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And can you say the word Jesus? Jesus? Jesus. This is the awesome name. This is the blessed name of Jesus. It is the name of Yeshua or Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, saves. He saves us. That's what's written in his name. For what? And here it is. He will save his people from their sins. Now I have heard lots of different pastors and leaders and writers talk about this. And one thing that I, you know... I think, comes away in the life of the church is people think that God is trying to save his people. But when you look at this exegetically, like, you know, what, what is the Scripture saying? It I'll just break it down. He will save. Can you say it with me? He will save. Can everyone say will? He will save. Is he, is he trying to save in this Scripture? Is it okay if I break down this text a little bit? Just for a second, he will save. He's not trying to save, he will save. Who? His what? His people. Say he's trying to save me. Is he trying? No. Can everyone say he will save me? One more time, he will save me. Turn to someone and say he will save you. You know, and this is the people part. He will save his people from what? From 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 a bad job. You know, you you know, from you know, a little bit of discouragement. No, from what? Their sins. sins. He will save He will save his people from their sins. This is an incredible statement and it's the culmination of God's purpose. That's what Christmas is all about. Merry Christmas. He will save his people from their sins. Merry Christmas. This is an incredible Christmas greeting and message. Remember, this is uh, Joseph hearing this message about his wife who he thinks, you know, he's trying to cover her because he finds out she's pregnant and he doesn't know what to do, but he's honorable, so he's willing to make an excuse for her, right? And and God says, hey, don't worry about this. I got this. He, call him Jesus, okay? That's Jesus, Yeshua saves, and he will save his people from their sins. I love Paul. He says here's a trustworthy saving that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He did. And look at himself. And he goes, of who I am the worst. Now he's not saying he was the worst. He, he actually says it in present tense. But he says of who I'm the worst. And he gives this description about his life. You know, things that he'd done. He goes, man, if you want to brag, I can brag. I'll tell you all kinds of things I can brag about. But I'm telling you, and he's telling Timothy here, to live as someone gratefully saved. Do you ever wonder if you're the worst sinner in the world? <laughs> have you ever felt like that? Where you've been in such discouragement, you go, oh man, I am a host. <laughs> How many have felt that way before? Come on. Uh, You know, a few of you you don't feel that way. You you always see other people as the worst sinner, right? You walk down the street and go, "That's probably the worst sinner I've ever seen." Then you walk a little bit further and you go, "No, it's him." I don't know. There's so many, but they're all worse than me. I love Paul, the Apostle Paul. You know, he says that he had a legalistic righteousness that was faultless. I mean, sin is transgression of the law, and he thought his law abidingness. Was perfect almost. This says a lot. Paul Paul looks at his own motives and and he even says at some point, he goes, My conscience is clear, but don't take that for granted. (laughs) That doesn't mean anything. God, how many know that sometimes a a, a month, a couple of months or years go by and all of a sudden God starts to show you some sin in your life that's been there for a while? And he shows you a motive that's very deep entrenched in you. And you go, oh, this must have come from someone else. (laughs) It can't be mine. And that's what we do. We try to bury it, don't we? Push it down. Oh, that isn't it. God's got to set it on fire. It's one of my points today. All right, say it with me. Say, He will save. save. Say the will louder. He will will save. save. He will save Jesus who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. That's what he came. He will save. And who's he going to save? He's going to save his people. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. You know, I'm the God who delivered you out of Egypt so you'd know who I was. I saved you. I delivered you. I rescued you. I brought you into a land flowing with milk and honey. You know, this is the God who says, you know, I will be your God and you will be my people. He repeats this theme over and over again, even all the way through Revelation at the end where there's the final consummation in this age and then the age to come and then the time of consummation. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, kingly, but yet priest ministering to God and to people. A holy nation. He's made us a people in a language. It's one of the tough topics I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a second set of tough topics. One of them is going to be about racism. And another one's going to be about war. And I think, I think it's things that we need to understand from a biblical perspective. Then he says we are God's special possession. <sighs> uh, you know, I, I wonder because people go, what about the people who are not the people of God? Well let me just tell you. Anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ will be saved. You know, I've invited certain people to church like for five years, some for ten years. I've invited them to Christ, I've invited them to church, but they've got really important things going on. I mean, you know, there's kids' soccer. That's so much more important than your eternal soul. I mean, what if they win the big trophy? you think that's really going to matter one bit? I can tell you right now I don't care how educated my kids get, I think it's nice but the biggest education I wanted my kids to get was that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God but by, by then if they believe that then the Holy Spirit will live in them and he will teach them all things There, there's biblical education, <laughs> kept simple I'm not sure if I can train my kids. Lead them to Christ. If you can. Listen, you don't have to belong to God if you don't want to. Like I said, I've invited people, you know, I was talking to this gal just the other day and we've invited her all kinds of things. She goes, oh, I forgot about it. I couldn't make it. And I said, that's okay. I go, you don't have to go. And I said, you know, knowing God, you know, the eternal God is probably an important thing to know. He's kind of the steward and inventor of eternity. He ought to know what it takes to live there. He thinks that there's only one way and that's in Christ. But that's just God. (laughs) I'm sure you've listened to some talk show that gave you a better answer. I'd like to hear it and put it right next to the answer I just gave you and I will show you that it doesn't work. Christ is the answer. Can you say He will save? save. Can you say His people? His His chosen people, His holy nation. They are a royal priesthood. They are God's special possession. And He's going to save them from what? From their sin. That's what He's going to save them. And Jesus told these Pharisees, these legalistic religious people, they love their religion. But they didn't know God. He's right there in front of them. I have told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am He because if there's no redemption for the sin then you'll be be living in it and sin will begat sin will begat sin he says indeed you will indeed die in your sins so let's look at it what is sin the bible gives a real simple definition there's multiple definitions but to summarize it it's transgression of the law it's to fall short it's not just the embodiment of the mosaic law it's god's principle his character The more you look at God's character, his purity, his perfection, his love, the more you realize you fall short of it. And it's not there to get us depressed because how many know that God wants to live in us and raise our game so that we become more like him? Because that's where real love is and real peace is and real joy is and real goodness is and kindness is in that love of the Lord. He says, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is just lawlessness. It's, 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 it's breaking, it's slandering the law, it's character, you know, uh, violating its principle, its attributes, its sin. We fall short. And the answer is not to uphold the law. Because guess what? You already didn't, and neither did I. And Jesus is described as all the rules and written regulations were put in him on the cross. So he removed its wrath and its power, which is the power of sin. How many say amen? Amen. This is what Christ did. He removed its power. But we want to see that power manifested into a changed life. Amen? Amen? So I want to talk a little bit about some attributes of sin. Okay? Some properties of sin. What is it like? Okay? What is that that caused Christ to have to become Savior? Now, When you look at the detriments of sin, I'm going to spend a little bit of time then as I close. I want to talk about how God wants to deliver us from the sin. First of all, I put here, sin is polluting. Sin stains, mars, you know, affects everything that it touches. You you, you just get a little bit of lie and that lie starts to work its way through. You get a little bit of pride and it creates a faction. It, It creates a dissension. It starts to create a jealousy, and that jealousy cr- hits and affects something else, and and a little gossip works its way through, a little bit of impurity in the heart and the mind starts to catch fire, and things get worse. Sin pollutes everything, and and it's it's contagious. It works down to the next generation. This it's called the sins of the fathers or, or the generations. Okay, it's it's that way, and sin is also degrading, sin the way that it affects you it makes you a less than version of yourself because instead of who god created you to be and and what his divine power is molding you to be sin makes you less than that so instead of being bold like a lion you start to have the courage of a kitten all right it just becomes smaller. Instead of seeing people with pure eyes, there's a little bit of lust. There's a little bit of selfishness that crowds in. Um, sin is also confusing. You don't always recognize it. Have you ever had that happen where you, you, you think you're doing well and all of a sudden you recognize that you have the sin in your life? You going, what, what, what was that? And then you, you're not sure if it's right or it's wrong. And, and then I, I put here, we often don't recognize sin until God sets it on fire. And and, and all of a sudden he goes, boom! This is a problem, Eric, in your life. You go, no! Ah! Ah! Must have been someone else that affected me. This is definitely hurt. God's going, do you want me to get rid of the sin? You mean heal my hurt? No, the sin. And we, we push it down. And then how many know that God has a bigger bomb that he can put on that thing? And the flame starts to grow and grow. And now other people are getting affected by the flame. And they're going, there's a flame right there. And you're going, what? It's nothing. I'm just going to live in the mountains by myself like a hermit. And pretty soon you got the deer running by. <laughs> Sin. What? Okay, I'm going to tell you one sideline joke because it's so funny. <laughs> so I saw this cartoon <laughs> this or this, show, this little uh, commercial um, about this hunter. And he was hunting and he was hunting some deer. And, and I was going to play this at the Christmas concert and everyone was like, mm, probably not. But he so he pulls out his, hunt, his hunter. It's made in the Netherlands, and, and he and he pulls and he scopes it and he sees this deer and he goes, oh, and he shoots it and he goes, ah, oh, got him. He's, he's like so elated. Then he so he looks at the scope to look at it. And Then he looks a little bit to the right. And he, oh, he sees another deer. He can't believe it. So he shoots that deer, and he goes and he looks a little bit more and he shoots another deer. And pretty soon he, you see him firing off like six, seven shots. He goes, I can't believe it. Like the greatest hunter in the world. So he starts walking toward where where the where where the he shot the deer, and he looks down and it's Santa and the reindeer. (laughs) Sin is confusing. Listen, sin is also defiant, and you might not know, might not see it all the time, but how many know that when we're holding on to a sin, we are defiant, are we not? God's convicting you stuff. Have you ever had an argument with your spouse, and God was showing you you were wrong, but you couldn't let it go? Yeah, Jody, you can share what that's like. Come on forward. I'm just kidding. I've had that where She was absolutely right or a little bit wrong, but I could totally see it, and God's like showed it to me, like, can't tell me, sing that song, don't show me, don't show me. Right? And it's just I could see it so clearly, but sin is defiant. It's almost like I go, I cannot lose. Because once I give up, then I give up the remote control, and then where is it gonna go from there? I'm kidding, we don't have arguments about the remote control but it reminds me of a Lucy Ricky Ricardo episode. In Leviticus 26, 27, it says, if in spite of this, you still do not listen to me, but continue to be hostile toward me, God brings all this forgiveness and redemption to them. and And he says, but yet your sin keeps defiling. And it it starts to get, it starts staining things. And then it gets contagious and it becomes like a virus. And people are so worried about this virus that's going to come. You know, the Ebola. Listen, we have stuff that's worse than Ebola. The sin epidemic in the world. And it's everywhere. You know, and it's not like it's, you know, it's not like when you walk in here and all of a sudden, you know, you get these halos over your head and you become perfect because you're in the life of the church. You are forgiven. But how many know that even though we are saved, we still need to be saved? We need to be rescued from the stuff that's killing us. And then sin is ingratitude. Oh, this is so huge. Please get this. We dethrone, we defame the God who has given us so much stuff. And even through the trials, God gives us inner strength. And there's an ingratitude. Oh, People are complaining. Complaining is like a, a popular thing. There's whole TV shows built around complaining. There are so many things to be thankful for. Say thank you pastor for saying that. No problem. Thanks, thanks for being gracious. Thank you for having some gratitude. Now why don't you turn to somebody right now and thank them for something they've done. Just turn to somebody that you know. Just thank them. Be honest. Thank them. If you're by yourself, just thank God for something. Be Do it. Ingratitude is in its root sinful. Do you know that thanksgiving is God's will for us, according to the text? It's God's will. I'll tell you right now, I promise you, if you will believe me, I promise you God will do some amazing things. There are some things, many things in your life that can find healing today through Thanksgiving. If you will just begin to thank God for things. And I'm going to tell you, it's not by your determination to say it, because you won't. You need God to do this in you to give you a grateful heart. Jody prayed for me for years and years. She goes, Eric, you don't really understand the love of God. And no matter what, I always never felt accepted by God. Probably the first five years of my Christian walk, I always felt like he didn't quite love me. And I remember God giving me the revelation about it. He made the cross so vivid for me. And here I'm preaching about that cross every week. The love of God. Sometimes God needs to open your eyes. And then here is the huge one, okay? This is the huge one. Sin is incurable. It cannot be cured. Okay. Now I'm really going to put this in. And when I say it's incurable, I'm talking about humanly incurable. It cannot be cured. And trust me, you're all trying. I promise you, you're trying. And I love what Jeremiah says. He says, can the Ethiopian change his skin? Or the leopard that spot, neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. That's the, the nature of man in this Leviticus or Jeremiah text. Now, let me look at this sin is humanly incurable. Not all the resolution in the world can stop sin. I don't care how resolute you become and look back at the last time you determined resolutely. Mm, committed no more. And how many still saw fail and sin creep out? And I'm telling you not all the self-effort can contain it. It, 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 You know, I'm going to determine, I'm going to keep trying. You know, when I I, I played pro soccer and I got pictures, I'm about 100 pounds lighter, but you know, when when you see, when I, I went there what, one of the things that I felt always made it is that I was really disciplined. I, I would juggle the ball all the time. I would work on fake mo- or fakes and moves and trapping the ball to the least amount of dead weight all the time. Uh, I, I would constantly have the soccer ball with me. And when I became a Christian, I thought, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be super determined. I'm going to read all the time. And the more I committed myself to the effort the more God sabotage me. <laughs> he didn't want a Christianity built on my effort. Amen. He wanted one built on Christ. If anyone comes to you preaching another gospel, other than one that we preach, let him be anathema. Let him be cursed. He says, did you receive the Spirit in Galatians by what you did or by what you believed? Are you now going to try to obtain it by human effort? Is that how it's going to be done? I'm telling you that not all the religion in the world can restrain it. And I've led quite a few Muslims to the Lord. I remember the one Muslim I was talking to, Jody and I were talking to in California. He was talking about, we have these laws. And Christianity doesn't have the laws anymore. So that keeps us disciplined and keeps us holy. Really? Really? You really think that any religious person who's adhering to a set of rules is actually looking holy to God in their own righteousness? That the sin disappeared through the self-discipline that comes from humanness? I'm telling you, not all the religion can restrain it. Sin is humanly incurable. Sin cannot be legislated out. We can't pass Assembly Bill 509 that says no more sin and all of a sudden it's going to be gone. People will fake it on the outside. How many have been involved with religion before? Hopefully you're not anymore. You have a relationship with God. But I'm telling you, religion is a bunch of rules that you follow and you try to legislate things. These are the things we follow and that's why we're Christians. Listen, it cannot be philosophized out. Get in the right philosophy. We just need to all love each other and have peace on earth. Let's all hold hands. We, if it was just us, life would have no sin. Really, let's put them all in one room together for a year. <laughs> and give them, you know, things to toil. We'll give them grass and things that they can toil the land. We'll give them, you know, shovels and hoes that they can later use as weapons. And... <clears throat> You cannot psychologicalize <laughs> sin out. Amen? Amen. You, you can't psych yourself out. You can't just go, okay, I'm, you know, and people will take, take your thoughts captive to Christ. Those are true, but they're not thoughts captive, so you just go, I got it, and I'll never sin before. It's Lord. It's Lord. <laughs> look what I'm thinking. <laughs> you take it captive, and you go, here, Lord, look at that. And the Lord's like, yep, get rid of it. You bring the darkness into the light, right? And we walk in the light as he is in the light. It cannot be wished out. It cannot be pushed out. Sin really is incurable. I love John Flavel, the Puritan. He wrote this. He said, all the tears of a penitent sinner should he shed as many as there have been raindrops since the creation of the world couldn't wash away by his own tears one sin. Then he says, the everlasting burnings in hell cannot purify the flaming conscience from the least sin. And that's why hell will last forever. Hell and its flames cannot amend or resolve any sin. It's just going to be humanity and its self-righteousness multiplying its own deficiency. Listen, I beg you to adhere to the gospel. He will save his people from their sins. There it is. That is the Christmas message. Amen. So the next time you say Merry Christmas, what people are thinking is have a good family time, enjoy your shopping, hope you get something good on presents. This is what we're thinking. Merry Christmas it's the most amazing thing ever you are going to live forever I guarantee you in 10 billion years or equivalent in God time we will look back and go man that was a blip on the map that was nothing God made this for us wow And then we're gonna fall on our knees again. Didn't we just fall on our knees about five minutes ago? Yeah, but we keep doing it, man. We just get blown away. God is amazing. Oh man, holy and righteous is he, wonderful, all wisdom, all power, and all glory to God. Oh, let's do it again. It is the amazingness of God. Amen. Amen. How does Jesus save us? Now, I know we got the cross here, but I'm gonna get right to some things. He saves us legally. We are legally saved before God. Positionally To us a child is born, to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He has the authority. Did you know that? He has the authority to not only write the rule but to, um, but to fulfill its rule. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours but also for the sins of the whole world. Do I hear amen? Amen. This is why we share the good news. He saves us instantly. I tell you the truth, or very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes who sent me, can everyone say, has? Has, has eternal life. Yeah, I was talking to a guy, a, 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 a leader friend, and he, oh, well, you just don't know yet. I go, you don't know if you're saved until you finally get there? I go, what do you do with these scriptures? Well, you will be saved. Of course, I will be saved too. Well, that means you're not. Well, if, it, if, it, if the Scripture only said you will be saved, that would be true. But the Scripture says that you are saved. You have been saved. You will be saved. So they're all true. Amen? Amen. We have been saved. Whoever hears me and believes me, he, he and listen to this, he has eternal life, And he will not be judged. Now, you're thinking, what? God threw away the judgment? What happened? I don't know what happened. He threw away the judgment? No. The judgment's right there. Your judgment has been executed. And the wrath that fell on you fell on him. That judgment is done. You will not be judged because you have just passed from death in your own sin and corruptibility that will build more corruptibility and more sin and more stain and more incurability, etc., 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 to life. By the way, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas. What a great season, isn't it? Listen. He saves us instantly. He saves us ongoingly. God doesn't just want you to feel forgiven. That's where it starts. But He also wants to deliver you from the stuff that's killing you. Amen? Amen. This is part of it. He says He is able, it's a therefore, to save completely. He is... Who's able? He. Jesus. Jesus is able to save completely those who come to God through Him, because He always lives to intercede for them. Now, I know that people sort of picture this as kind of like Jesus in the corner somewhere of heaven. He's kind of just always on his knees and he's always praying. It's like, what's Jesus doing? He's praying right now. He's praying for Eric, man. It's taken all night, you know. <laughs> he's praying for Heber earlier, but man, that's, that's day and night. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding but listen when Jesus Christ takes our place dies on the cross and then is redeemed and rises over the, over, uh, from the dead and breaks the power of sin he is brought into the presence of the father not as the eternal son of God but as the son of man as our representation and that secures a handshake between the father and the son It's a connection that makes him the intercession. The cross represents that. The connection between the Father and us through Christ makes us righteous. What he has accomplished. And he now is able to save us completely. It's not saying he's trying to save us. He is able and he will save his people from their sins. This is the promise of God because Jesus Christ is my constant intercession, not me, not my prayers. I pray in Jesus' name. I pray in the power of his name and by the blood of Jesus and through the cross and to the father by the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. You want me to say it 20 other ways? It's the same prayer. <laughs> Amen? Amen? That is my connection. That's how he's able to save us completely. Okay? He saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. That's in Titus. And he will be called, and here is the nuts and bolts. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Four Powerful Divine names of God in the prophetic messianic message. Wonderful counselor, that word Pele, right? Those of you know the soccer player Pele, but this is bigger than Pele. This is, it's a wonder a miracle, an astounding thing. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. God is the God who always listens. In our redemption, he lives with us and he will instruct us and guide us and lead us. He is a miraculous counselor. If we would listen to God, we would grow. Amen? There's so many things that God wants us to do. He's the wonderful counselor. This is his saving method. The counselor in us, guiding us to truth, showing us, demonstrating love, all the things that he is. And then he is the prince of peace. This prince, glory to God on the highest, this is to the shepherds and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. God will save his people from their sins. Okay, where does his God's favor rest? The spirit of the Lord rests on us and will not leave us or forsake us. This prince of peace, the prince in, in there is, the, is the, the Greek word for chief, leader, commander, ruler. He is the commander of the peace. You know, he has justified us with his peace. The peace he made with the father and us. He made that. He is the commander of it. He is the priest that, and that word police, some of you know the word, that's the word in the Hebrew there, shalom, right? It's it's the peace, safety, it's the prosperity, it's the well-being, it's the wholeness. He is the commander of that in us. This wonderful counselor, miraculous counselor, who has brought us peace, will guide us through salvation. This is His promise. He's the one that Jody mentioned earlier where it says, peace, be still to the storm. And it was calm. And we face storms in our lives and God's the answer. But he's not just the Emmanuel, peace, God with us. Can I tell you, he is the mighty God. He is the mighty God with power. God's power placed in our lives to deliver us is always the right power. It's not just this wild energy that kind of soars through the, you know, the, the, the walls and we you know, tap into it. Hopefully it's going to empower our keyboards, or our toasters at home. God's power is plugged into our lives with the right efficiency. It's in the right place. It's in the right location. It's the right amount of power. And it's a sustaining power. This is the power that God delivers us. From now on the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. This is the mighty one with the mighty one. This is Trinitarian language. God says my own right hand will bring salvation. Speaking of the Son. And He brings us freedom. He is not only wonderful counselor. And counsels miraculous ways. He's not only the Prince of Peace who secures our future He's not only the God who was mighty and works on our behalf, Merry Christmas, but he is also the everlasting Father. Listen, I tried to be the best dad I could. I really did. I still am a dad to my kids. I love my kids. I'm committed to my kids, and they know this. But I'm nothing like God the Father. Listen, everlasting Father, this is spoken to of Christ representing everything that the Father is. What you see the Father does, I also do. Listen, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Where you go, I will go. He will be with us at all times. If you think of all the ways that the Lord God Almighty would use to demonstrate who He is, He uses the analogy that these guys up here earlier were talking about. He uses the concept of family. And he uses it in the sense of that, I'm your dad. That word there translated to Greek becomes pater or Abba. It becomes a father or a dad or papa. God is saying, I'll be a father and a papa to you that you can always count on. I am from everlasting to everlasting. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I'm the alpha, I'm the omega. I'm the first, I'm the last. I'm the everlasting father. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. When you pray, well, that was the saddest clap I've ever heard. Seriously. Would you just indulge one thing? Can you stand up just for a minute? I I, I mean this honestly. And I know you guys are all reserved because you're so much in self-control. You're Americans. Can you just say for a second, I don't care what anyone thinks. Just say it. Say, I don't care what anyone thinks. And I want to encourage you. This might be a little crazy. Could you, with your power that you have, that you've given to the weekend football game, and your weekly basketball game, can you just raise your hands to God and can we thank Him for sending His Son to save us? Just for about 30 seconds. Ready? And just shout it out. Hallelujah, Lord! Woo! Praise your name, Lord! King of kings and Lord of lords! Thank you for your incredible delivering power! Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Lord! Praise your name! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Isn't it awesome to look like a complete fool for God? Amen. Amen. Okay, close your eyes. I'm going to close in prayer. Just remain standing. Father, I thank you for your salvation. Maybe this is the first time you've heard the Christmas message or you've just fallen away from it. I want to encourage you right now. If you needed this message right now, you need to experience the forgiveness of Jesus. He paid for you. If that's you, we just raise your hand high to God right now. Just say, Lord, I need to be reminded or I need to accept this message. You need to say yes to God. He respects you. He's not forcing you. He wants you to man or woman up and raise your hand to him and say yes. I want, need to be forgiven of all my sins. And you recognize that you have them. And then will you believe him and say, I am forgiven. I am forgiven of my sins. We'll have our prayer team come up. If you need prayer, we're going to have you just come on up to them at any time. All the way through to the end. Father, I thank you for Christmas. What a wonderful thing. We praise you. Lord, help us be a blessing to others. We want to be the light. And Lord, you know our sins where we fall short. Would you save us? Would you deliver us? Lord, it's a question that's rhetorical. You will because you say you will save your people from their sins. And so I thank you in advance that every sin I've ever struggled with and will struggle with, you're going to deliver me from them all. You're going to heal my diseases and cure my sickness, whether that be in death to eternity or in this life as I experience it. Bring your wholeness to me And would you say that for your own sake out there? Say, Lord, heal me, deliver me. You may not see it all. Don't worry about that. Let God be the one who figures that out. Would you say, Lord, all of it, whether I see it or not see it, whether my conscience is clear or not, I put my hope, I put my trust in you. In Jesus' name, do I hear a loud amen? Amen. God bless.